Hello there, I'm Yvonne McLaren. Welcome back to GAG, a podcast where I help you navigate the journey of food before, during and after head and neck cancer treatment, helping you to eat and live better through my lived experience. Hello there. Thank you for joining me. Episode 66 of GAG, Eating with Head and Neck Cancer. Um, Today's episode, I want to talk about the business of head and neck cancer treatment. And it suddenly dawned on me the other day, uh, now I'm four years, four and a bit years out from treatment, uh, so I'm a fair way down the track now. And as a result of uh, not only developing my Mind Food Body program for other head and neck cancer patients and for clinicians to provide some additional help to um, their clients, it got me thinking that this whole process is a real business in the sense of, uh, you know, you have a team of people that you're working with on a daily basis uh, to hopefully get you to an end point uh, and to continue to grow and develop your food life. Well, in my mind, that's what it should be like. You know, you have a team of people, being your oncologist, your radiotherapist, your potentially head and neck cancer nurse, your hospital coordinator, your speech pathologist, your dietitian, um, and in my case, I have an acupuncturist, a dry needling person, a physiotherapist, a masseuse, uh, and, in, and a personal trainer. So that's a pretty big group of people for me to manage uh, just to ensure that I'm eating and getting through as best as I possibly can. So it dawned on me the other day that this is a real business. <clears throat> Um, And we should treat it like a business. Even as patients, we should treat it like a business. I know that uh, in writing the program for other people, uh, the Mind Food Body program, that I encapsulated everything that I did uh, and, and just marked it down like a checklist in the order that I did it using the the tools and researched resources that I found to manage this whole process. Uh, And I just, it occurred to me the other day, you know, we do, we need to cut our losses, we need to research, we need to uh, celebrate the wins, we need to keep abreast of trends of what's going on, because if we're not doing it within ourselves, then who's doing it for us? You know, our medical team are on limited time with individuals, um, as far as I can work out, uh, depending on whether or not they're working in a hospital environment or a clinic environment. Um, You know, there's only so much time that they can spend per allocated patient, presumably, because the hospitals are running to budgets as well. So... That's why I say I think it's really important that we as patients and or carers, if you're looking after someone that's got head and neck cancer treatment issues, uh, you've got to look at it like a business. 
we need to get to an end point. What are the things that we're putting in place to ensure that we're reaching our end targets or goals? Uh, We're managing a team of people. And if you're fortunate enough to have a carer, I wasn't. I was doing it on my own. You know, I talk about things like having folders set up, having ways of recording people's names and phone numbers and emails and what drug did they ask me to take, when am I meant to be taking that, who's helping me with that, what happens if this happens, um, peg tube feeding. I mean, I, I also have to throw in gastroenterology in there at some point because my peg tube fell out and I didn't know what to do with it and I had to go back into hospital. So there is a raft of things that you have to consider when you're going through head and neck cancer treatment. And when you get to the point like I'm at, which is four and a bit years out, there becomes this whole other set of criteria that um, well, I'm now dealing with, which I thought I'd share with you today. Um, making sure that you've got things in place to be living your best food life. And for those that have come to my new Substack, my site, you'll know that I write articles around different issues that I think not only affect me but likely affect other people worldwide that have been through this treatment. And I pick out the nuances of things that might happen. Like, um, the episode that I've just done is how to be an optimist, you know. What sort of tools do we have in place to ensure that you're being optimistic and not pessimistic? Uh, motivation and hope, for example, are two of the biggest things that are missing from uh, learning to swallow again and trying to get off a peg tube, you know. We're all very clinical about what we are learning and hearing and this is not to berate anybody, it's just I know from experience that hope and motivation are two of the biggest ingredients in this business plan recipe that we're missing uh, in my experience and I think they're super, super important. Uh, you know, if, if this disease and this treatment is not depressing enough, if we don't have the vital ingredients in the recipe, then the end result is not going to be as good as it could be. You know, it's like the lack of salt and sugar and fat in any baked good, um, and there's avocado and cacao and all the other arguments that come with that, but... Nine times out of ten, if you don't have those ingredients, then your end result is not going to be as good as it potentially could be. Uh, Cutting your losses. I talk about this in various episodes, and by that I mean, you know, if you can't do something today, then you might be able to do it in a month's time. You may be able to do it, in my case, in... Uh, It took me three years to be able to drink out of a glass, um... Water, co- water, coffee, anything. It took me all that time just to uh, learn how to drink out of a certain vessel. So cut your losses when you can. Move on to something else. Spend time on something else that you can do. We're not told that enough during this process. And I think people, you know, and that feeds into that optimistic, pessimistic kind of thinking around, oh, God, you know, and I remember thinking that when I couldn't eat two-minute noodles and a soft poached egg, uh, I could 
only managed the liquid off the top and I could nibble at the yolk of the egg. I could not manage a soft noodle. I can now, but it's taken me years to get to the point where I can manage a soft noodle pasta spaghetti. Other people can't manage rice. I manage rice straight off the bat. So there you go. Um, and that sort of melds into celebrating the wins. We don't stop and celebrate the wins enough. And I know I drove my family crazy with sending them <laughs> photos of the food that I ate that day. And it may have been, you know, just a little bit in the palm of my hand, but I can remember eating, it was special because I could manage rice. I went and got some special fried rice from my local Indian thinking, oh, I'm never going to be able to eat this, but I had it with lots of yogurt. Um, I can eat prawns, I can't eat crayfish, I can eat uh, lamb, pork, but I struggle with beef and chicken. I'm getting better with chicken, but it's been a long journey. So celebrating the wins we forget to do that Uh, and I think that's really important and any milestone in any business plan or any business uh, anyone worth their salt celebrates the wins Uh, making sure that you've got things in place for success Uh, and you know and I again I thought well this is really like a business it's like running a business you've got to make sure that your kitchen is set up that you have the right kitchen utensils to make the right food and you're following, I'm going to throw another one in here, IDSI. No one talks about IDSI. Um, patients aren't told about IDSI. The clinicians might be told about IDSI, but it would be really important and useful for patients to know about IDSI. And IDSI, if you don't know it, is the International uh, Dysphagia Diet Standardisation Initiative from memory, hence IDSI. It goes through the thicknesses and textures and uh, melt points and pouring and and softness and levels of food that is appropriate for your swallowing ability. Now, how useful would that be to know? And when you get home to your kitchen, you've got the right utensils to make it. And, goodness me, what if you actually knew how to make that food? You knew how to make flavoursome puree. And I was on puree for a long time and I'm four years out and the other day, and I can eat most foods now, but it's taken four and a half years. But just a couple of days ago, I had to go and vitamise uh, an Indian dal soup that I'd made. I just couldn't manage it. Just that day. So cut my losses, blitz it, do it and just get on with the day. Um, research and trends. Uh the amount of time that I spend researching things and looking at ways for us as a collective group of people to um, get more flavour into our diet, what else is out there, what are the clinicians doing that we're not hearing about. Because if you're not doing this research and development yourself as a patient, or being told this and look I know some of you have these amazing speeches and and I have met some amazing speeches uh, speech language pathologists uh, that do help you and do work with in tangent with dietitians and do work collectively in certain um, medical environments that make your life really good Um, it didn't happen for me I didn't feel uh, so hence I'm on this 
a journey. But I also know it didn't happen and hasn't happened and isn't happening for a lot of you now listening to me because you email me and tell me. Um, but equally, you email and tell me when you've got a good one too. And I know I'm not I'm not bagging uh, people. I'm just saying that when you're going through this, it is personal. Um, and I treated it like a business because I knew that I had to get from this point to this point to be at that point. And what I felt was very valuable for me was that I had the skills and the knowledge to understand that to get from here to here, I had to do all these steps on the way. And I kind of worked it out myself, but I know that I was given that information in piecemeal bits and pieces and someone said this and then I kind of attached that to this bit and went, oh yeah, okay, that's why that means that. And so I just put the whole thing together to make it a streamlined situation for others to follow. Uh, Because if you were like me and you were up to your eyeballs and opioids and painkillers, then wasn't always easy to see the path and the journey and the strategy. What, what kind of strategy are we using here to get to that end point? Um, research and trends too. The other thing I might say to you is that looking for food and things outside of your geographical area, and by that I mean whether your country, regional, city, Big city, not so big city, town, hamlet, village, wherever you are, whatever country you're in, it's going to be different from you. I can guarantee that if you're going through this in Japan or Korea uh, or parts of America, it's going to be very different to what's going on here in Australia. And it's going to be just purely because of the way... uh, you know, our teams are working and, and being exposed to different research, this, that and the other. And if you're not heavily into social media, you're not heavily into research or listening or watching or making this part of your journey, then it's very easy to not know what's going on and where potentially things are available to you to make your life a lot easier. So as my journey continues, I'm doing it from a place of interest research and writing now about things that I find that I go "Hmm, that could be useful for me because it's all about me Um, and I like to know these things to apply it to some of my personal passions like hiking and hike you know hike through hiking and mountaineering and not that I do any mountaineering but it's kind of a thing I'm thinking about maybe tackling uh, rock climbing more as opposed to mountaineering I'm getting too old to mountaineer uh, but you know what can I do what snacks can I take how can I make this easier um, whilst I'm out doing things traveling so that's where my interest lies in terms of research and development so making sure that you're set up to succeed treating it like a business Cut your losses and move on to something that you can manage. Celebrate the wins. Make sure that you've got a strategy. Make sure that you've got an end goal. Uh, Working with your team. How are you communicating with your team? How do you do that? What's the best way to communicate to them? How do you record things that are happening with you? So I talk all about this in the Mind Food Body program that I wrote. Uh, And 
I think uh, you can access that program online now. Uh, I'll leave some resources for you to do that. You can do that through my bio link. Um, But, you know, I think that's uh, a really good way, particularly for many of us that are a bit out now of treatment too, um, looking at the hidden neck cancer journey, food journey, what can you manage now as a business, I think uh, certainly has put me in a good place to tackle some of the toxicities that continue to be in my life. Okay, well, that's the end of today's episode. Thank you for joining me as always. And it's so nice to hear you emailing me and talking and reaching out to me. It's great. There is a tab uh, on my new site called Ask Yvonne. It's for paid subscribers. Uh, You're able to ask me a question and I will within the means of my uh, knowledge, try and help you with your food life uh, via that medium. And, um, yeah, hopefully I'll get to talk to you either through that. And if you just want to talk to me or just shoot me an email, you can respond to any of the articles on GAG, the newsletter. Okay, as always, people, uh, take care of yourselves, look after someone else and continue to eat well until the next episode. Okay, see ya, bye. Thanks for listening and don't forget you can find out more at yvonnemclaren.substack.com That's Y-V-O-N-N-E-M-C-C-L-A-R-E-N dot substack.com